I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hey there, welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host as always, Tanner Campbell, and today we're going over meditation number 20 from book four. Before we do that, a reminder, if you hate those ads, you can get rid of them for $6 a month, which entitles you to ad-free episodes seven days a week, and that includes all the meditations, all the interviews, and anything else that I might do on the sly that isn't a formal episode, and those sorts of things are coming soon. I think everyone has noticed that there's been a big ramp up in content. I went from doing one a week to two a week, now seven a week. In the big picture that's allowing me to spend more time on this project, some of you may be following my writing over on post.news. You know there's a book coming out. By the way, go to livingwellbook.com to sign up for that wait list to be notified the moment it's available. I know a lot of you are hoping to get that in time for the holidays. I will tell you now, don't hold your breath. That is probably not going to happen. Writing a book is hard. (laughs) Uh, Harder maybe than I thought it was going to be. That's my own naivete to blame. But going to stoicism.supercast.com or going to stoicismpod.com and clicking the big orange button in the top right-hand corner will give you more information on how to become a premium subscriber to the show to get rid of those ads and get access to some extra things as well. Let's jump into meditation number 20 from book four, which reads as follows. Everything which is in any way beautiful is beautiful in itself and terminates in itself, not having praise as part of itself. Neither worse, then, nor better is a thing made by being praised. I affirm this also of the things which are called beautiful by the vulgar, for example, material things and works of art. That which is really beautiful has no need of anything, not more than law, not more than truth, not more than benevolence or modesty. Which of these things is beautiful because it is praised, or spoiled by being blamed? Is such a thing as an emerald made worse than it was, if it is not praised? Or gold, ivory, purple, a little knife, a flower, a shrub? This meditation seems to suggest that beauty is not in the eye of the beholder and that it exists naturally, whether or not it is recognized or praised. A flower is not beautiful because we say it is, nor ugly because we say it is. A flower is either beautiful or ugly because of what it is, and our judgment of it has little bearing on whether it is beautiful or ugly. 
Likewise, those things which are ugly, when judged to be beautiful by the vulgar and vicious, do not become beautiful as a result of the fawning and lust of those vulgar and vicious people. Remember that the Stoics thought of everything which did not impact our ability to develop virtuous characters as indifferent things. A flower is an indifferent. Its beauty, too, is indifferent. But how did Stoics feel about beauty and ugliness? How did they define it? Rather, since their definitions wouldn't have been what determined a thing's beauty, what did the Stoics believe determined a thing's beauty? If it is natural, then it is beautiful. If it is a reflection of nature, then it is beautiful as well, like a painting of a flower. If it is the outcome of natural processes, the cracked tops of freshly baked loaves of bread, for example, or the blood-stained maw of a lioness as she feasts on a gazelle, these things are beautiful as well. Love the emotion of love, is beautiful to a Stoic. Children, wives, husbands, old men, old women, hurricanes, earthquakes, all of these things are the expression of natural processes and so a direct reflection of nature itself. So then what is ugly? What is hideous? Anything which is against nature? Anything unnatural? Did you argue with your mother? Did you fight with your brother? Have you stolen something? Have you covered up something which is true with a veil of deceit? Do you covet wealth over kindness? Do you hurt others to get what you want? Do you corrupt yourself, others, and the environment around you to get what you want? Do you take pleasure in unkind things, in uncaring things? The Stoics believe that nature was the visual and non-visual expression of a conscious cosmos, of a logic built into that cosmos, of the logos and the pneuma, Everything that took form naturally was logical. It had to happen, not because the cosmos said, on the third day I will create zebras and on the sixth water. The Stoic idea of God is not anthropomorphized in that way, or at all. The Stoic God is more like the process that led to all this, and we revere and trust and believe that the genesis of that process must be the most logical thing, since, after all, here we are drawing breath drinking lattes, and building families and friendships. Here we are living. If it were any other way, we wouldn't be. And we hear science say this sort of thing rather regularly. If the universe had been just a few degrees hotter or cooler, it's very likely humanity would have never come into existence. Now, I am playing kind of fast and loose with the complexities of Stoic cosmology and physics, but I think that description I just gave is good enough for my purposes here today. God was nature. Nature was the expression of God, and therefore, if it was natural, it was, in a word, divine. However, and I find that this must be stressed, this is not the sort of divinity that asks you for money, or demands your prayers, or takes any sort of humanoid form, or demands the construction of temples, statues, or other manner of worshipping buildings or locations. It also asks nothing of you and is incapable of judging you. It's not God in the Abrahamic or traditional sense. Atheists, and I am one, please remember, have a really hard time with Stoicism because they think it requires belief in a magical deity. But it doesn't. The Stoic God isn't a magical deity, and the Stoics didn't believe in supernatural things like ghosts or angels or sorcerers. They believed only that nature was divine, logical, and on that basis, worth praising revering, and living in accordance with, modeling their lives after. So a rose is beautiful. The act of crushing one beneath your foot is not. 
And it makes no difference how much I say a rose is beautiful. It is. And it makes no difference how much you say stomping on a rose and destroying it might be beautiful. It isn't. A thing is what a thing is, regardless of what we humans have to say about that thing. And this spills over into moral behavior and the concepts of justice, bravery, and even honor. The right thing to say is the right thing to say, whether or not the rest of the world tells you it isn't or is. The sun isn't the center of the universe. The world isn't flat. Other planets do exist, and two plus two equals two, but also to care for the needy is beautiful. To feed the hungry, the same. To oppose tyranny, to speak truth to power, to stand up for truth, to stand up for what is right, to refuse to toe the line when the line is wrong. These things, too, whether we burn people at the stake for doing them or saying them or praising them, these things, too, are what they are, beautiful and right. Stoics praise nature. We try to live in alignment with it the best we can, and we believe that by doing this, we can see the world through a lens that more readily enables us to act with virtue. We protect what is beautiful. We appreciate what is beautiful. We honor and praise what is beautiful. And we try to be beautiful ourselves by being brave enough to speak out when someone is acting unbeautifully, by treating their fellow humans unnaturally, or by actively working against the beauty of nature. It is a sort of faith, I suppose, that maybe is unavoidable. It's a faith-based claim to say these kinds of things, that virtue is the only good, that what is natural is beautiful, that there is value in coming into alignment with nature and viewing morality and ethics in the Stoic tradition. But perhaps a faith-based claim is needed, eventually, no matter who you are and what you do or don't believe. After all, isn't it a faith-based claim to say that being a good human being is better than being a terrible one? There's no non-subjective empirical data that says or proves it's better to be good than bad, is there? Sure, we can construct our own strictly human measures to prove that it is. We can build our own system with its own rules and play within that system and prove things that way. But that's not really proof that it's better to be good than it is to be bad, is it? That's like building your own sandbox and developing rules within that sandbox and only ever playing within that sandbox. It requires a kind of faith that doing that is a good idea. And, you know, I happen to think it is a good idea to build our own sandbox and make our own rules. I think that's generally better than just being purely chaotic and having nothing guiding our morals or subjective values. But eventually there's something we can't explain, something we cannot give a definite answer to something we can't formally justify our thinking on or our behavior relative to, but there it is. It's our thinking or our behavior all the same, and it's important to us, and maybe, just maybe, it's beautiful. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. Remember, if you would like to get rid of ads, you can do so for just $6 a month by going to stoicismpod.com and clicking the big orange button in the top right corner of the site or going directly to stoicism.supercast.com. Either way, check the show notes for links. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care. Take care.